In this episode, we talk about the new 2022 Lexus LX and the reviews of the new NX. This week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast and joining me is editor Michael Pannone. How you doing, Michael? Hey Kevin, I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Doing good. It was a pretty wild ride there with the NX reviews coming out. It was. The LX coming out. There was a lot of info. We did that uh, crossover with Lexus UAE, mm-hmm. which uh, we'll talk about a little bit today, but... Man, it's we've been pretty swamped over yeah, here. Yeah, the tap so. has been open, which is pretty nice, right? Like we were saying yeah. that sometimes it's like feast or famine and it's nice to be in a feast state with Lexus right now. So it's fun. It is. It's good when you can't keep up with everything. I mean, it is hard. We we do try to cover everything. But at the same time, it's just really great to be able to say like, you know, new NX, new LX. There's so much new info. I even posted a uh, RX uh, rendering mm-hmm. and a next generation RX rendering, which is a pretty rare bird. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of uh, renderings of the RX, even though it's the most popular Lexus model. There isn't a lot of interest within that. Uh, <laughs> it's a very specific type of uh, person that does those renderings. That's very so true. It, it was neat to see. They uh, It was kind of based on the, the Venza. I don't necessarily know that it's going to be that close to the Venza. I bet you're right. I agree. So pretty interesting with the new LX coming out. We can finally tell the story. So what happened is that Lexus UAE contacted us about, it was about a month before the re- reveal of the LX. It was uh, it was interesting to say the least. And Kevin, you almost went. They wanted us to actually come to Dubai and, and see the, the debut in person. Um, unfortunately, you know, COVID being what it is, uh, it was just really difficult to kind of navigate that international travel. And that was really disappointing, but we did end up working with them very closely. There were three reveals uh, across the world, one in Dubai, one in Saudi Arabia, and one in Russia. What we ended up doing is uh, streaming the entire event on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I, we had a lot of fun partnering with UAE, and I think like it, it really worked out well. They were a great partner. They sent us a ton of great content. We were able to get a number of exclusive shots and pictures and videos of the new LX. So it really was almost like we were there thanks to the UAE team. So I guess that brings us to the LX itself. Kevin and I are able to get the assets a little bit in advance so that we can prep and have everything ready at go live time for you all. And that's on the website and on social. So we had the pictures and some of the materials a bit in advance. I don't know. I think our I think our opinions were mostly the same, but they were a little bit split on the front end. Yeah. So it took me a little while, you know, as it does with any of these new models, takes you a little bit of of time to to absorb the design, uh, to really form an opinion about it. And at first I was like, there's a lot of black on the front end. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of the people that don't like the the chrome. It's a little much, but that's what you expect on a flagship model. It was more like the black detailing I found quite jarring. The thing about it, you have this luxury grade, you know, this VIP and, and you need to kind of reflect its status. And the way that a lot of that's done is is just in the detailing. And there's a lot of detailing in the front end of the LX. I like the F-Sport version more, just in terms of exterior appearance. Uh, and I liked the So Japan uh, actually will have a, uh, a special off-road edition. I think it's got tires, but the, ma- the most important thing is that all of the chrome is blacked out. It looks so good. 
but I don't know if you came around quite as easily as I did. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there were a couple things that shocked me about it, I think. And probably the first thing that was so surprising to me was how overall similar a lot of the shapes were. You really have to break down the details to find the difference. I think there's going to be a number of people who actually probably won't know that this is a new LX at first glance. You know, after so many years of the current LX, what was it, 13 years? Yeah. I was personally expecting the front end to be a little bit different. And I'm not really a huge fan of exactly how it shook out. I think that on the standard model, the decision to go with horizontal grill slats, uh, honestly, I think it was a mistake. Mm. Lexus has spent mm. the last several years breaking away from that. Even the GX doesn't have horizontal grill slats anymore. And like the LS doesn't have them. And my opinion is the LS sets the tone for the rest of the lineup. And I guess you could kind of make the point that now that we're living in an SUV world, does the LX set the tone for the rest of the lineup? But just the horizontal grill decision doesn't stick with me. It, it sticks out from the rest of the lineup. Um, I think it looks sort of like an unfinished concept car. I don't really care for it. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned the black detailing around the front end. It seems to me a little bit like maybe that was a place that they were trying to create some differentiation with the current model. I don't really think it worked yes. personally. Uh, I think mm -hmm. on an SUV like this and of this size, it looks a little bit gimmicky in my opinion. I agree mm. with you that I think the F Sport front end looks better because of the mesh grill. So if it was me buying an LX, I don't think I'd buy an F Sport LX. I would probably buy a standard LX, but I would want the F Sport grill. But I definitely think that the F Sport in like dark gray or black is going to look amazing because of the blacked out accents on the front end. But I just think that in even in the F Sport trim in lighter colors or even in the standard trim, the black on the bumper and around the headlights and around the grill, it doesn't look as kind of sophisticated as I think it could. I, I think I do agree with you about the fact that there's not a lot of difference between the current LX and the new LX. You know, you're saying 14 years that it's been out, you know, when they added the shield grill. Yeah. In 2016. Yeah. That was a pretty extensive refresh. And in a way, I, I almost prefer it to the new model. I feel like they could have done something similar. And when you think about the horizontal slats, it's the stretched out circles, mm -hmm. these ovals that they've used. It would have been preferable to see something more of a shield. I think the mesh would have looked good. Like a couple of the renders that we saw, especially the one from Sugar Design, had the same grill mesh pattern as the NX, and it looked really good. I mean, you know, having yeah. having horizontal lines on the front of anything that are that size is quite exaggerated. Uh, we already know there's, you know, a lot of people like the spindle. Some people don't. I just think that in terms of like fitting into the family and also looking tough instead of looking like the front of a razor, it would have looked really <laughs> nice with like the same mesh pattern as the NX or the GX or something like that. It's just the horizontal elongated ovals don't hit for me personally, but I, I will have to say the rest of it I love. You know, talking about the grill, it is really curious that they didn't use the what they've designed with the NX. Mm -hmm. Even like the title of the LX press release was like second of the next generation of Lexus yeah. after the NX. Yep. And you don't see a lot of crossover between those two models. They look like they were designed separately. Very true. And it is a curious decision when they start to talk about how this is the next generation, that they're not trying to find something a little more cohesive. I think the rest of it looks great, like particularly the window line and the shape of the greenhouse. I really like kind of has that cool pinch at the top. It's a little bit more exaggerated than the LX 570. 
we know that SUVs of this size, there's really only so much you can do to style and design them. <laughs> like yeah, you're, you're pretty much working with an absolutely huge box. So anything you can do with it is appreciated. But yeah, I mean, the back end, I think, looks really nice. In the first teaser that came out, I thought it looked a little bit minivanish. But yeah, <clears throat> once once the final design came together and we saw the bumpers and the roof line, it looks great. And also for those of you who haven't, um, I would just say make sure that you watch some of the videos because it's just like always, it's not until the videos that you can really get a sense for the feel of the lines on this car. Um, it has a pretty strong, mm. like pretty strong character lines like over the fenders and down the side of the car. So I think it's going to look a lot stronger and a lot cleaner than the current LX when you when we see it in person. And I, like I said, I think that the front end is the only thing I'm not sold on. The rest of it, I actually really do like a lot. I think it's really, really well done on the exterior design. I think that it's very telling on where they decided that they were going to launch this vehicle. Mm -hmm. These are the three top markets for the LX in the world. And it really suggests to me that they went to these regions, talked to people there. And most of what people were asking for was an evolutionary design. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they had come, well, if they had come to you and I... <laughs> we would have seen something maybe a little bit more revolutionary. And I think that there's a lot of differences with the interior, you know, with the different grades. And it's really hard to get a good grasp of what this is going to, what the LX is going to look like with three rows, because everything that we've seen so far has been the VIP package. People have a lot of opinions about the interior. Of, you know, a lot of people love it. I'm in that camp. I absolutely love it. There's a lot of people who said that they feel like the dash should have been different or the screen should have been bigger. My personal preference is that I generally like interior designs that are fairly symmetrical. Mm -hmm. I also like the way that Lexus is doing their screens where it's not necessarily popped up on top of the dash. It's sort of popped up mid dash. I think it allows for a better line of sight with the road because it's not as much in the way. So when you look at the LX, I can see some people saying that they feel as though the dashboard isn't super new and cutting edge looking, but I'm always a person who I guess just feels like less is more and I like simple shapes and designs. And I personally think that what they came up with looks really clean and really elegant, even if it's not incredibly cutting edge looking. And that's, it's important to think about who's the buyer for the LX. And these are people who essentially want a luxury Land Cruiser. Like that's really what it comes down yeah. to. Like there's, I don't think LX buyers have any illusion that it's something different than that. <laughs> I think they know that. Yeah, absolutely. So when we yeah. look at the exterior design, aside from the horizontal slats, it's about what I expected. When we look at the interior design, it's about what I expected. And I think that Lexus knows their buyer here and has done a good job. And then when you work your way around and you look at some of the details, like the quilted leather and the open pore wood trim and yeah, the yeah. dual screens, and especially looking at the VIP package, they, they definitely moved the needle where they needed to and kept the LX shopper happy. It's really beautiful. I, I really like it. I mean, it's actually, I shouldn't say I really like it based on pictures is probably one of my favorite Lexus interiors ever. Hmm. I don't have the same feeling about it. But it's it's the problem with all interiors now is that you do have to make room for these giant screens and it doesn't allow for a lot of experimentation like very true. It, this is a vehicle that is very hard for me to put myself in the driver's seat as an owner. It's just one of those vehicles. I think it was really interesting the way that Lexus and Toyota decided what they were going to do with the Land Cruiser and the LX. This is a, as close to a rebadge as we see in this day and age. Like we do not see things like this anymore, uh, where the cars are so identical in so many ways. 
I so I will say though, I don't just looking back at like LX and Land Cruiser history, this is probably the most differentiated they've ever been. Well, I, so I like I think if you look at it for a long time, the LX and the Land Cruiser, like they shared interior panels, they shared door panels <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. actually it wasn't really actually until later in the life cycle of the last LX that they really started breaking things apart and changing them around. So when you look at these two and you look at the fact that it's a completely different interior, it doesn't look like any to me, it doesn't look like anything is shared with the Land Cruiser. You look at the new one, mm. it's like everything in front of the fenders looks different. Everything behind the rear fenders looks different. So to me, it feels like they probably know the buyer so well that they've really covered the full spectrum here because in much of the world, the Land Cruiser, you know, 200 certainly, and now the 300 really was a luxury vehicle. The Mm -hmm. most equivalent to the Land Cruiser probably is the S-Class. Like the way that people think about the S-Class is also the way that people think about the Land Cruiser around the world. And so then they took that formula and added the things like VIP seating and more dramatic styling and rear seat screens and dual screens in the dashboard. And so like they took what was already, you know, essentially a luxury car formula and pushed it even further. So I think it's cool that they're evolving the formula that they have between the two of them like this to where they can kind of move the needle even further. I wonder how much that VIP package is going to cost in the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I mean, on the LS, I think it's depending on what else you choose with it and how you spec it. I think it's either an extra 12,000 or an extra 17,000. So, um, so what does that push the uh, LS up to? It p- basically pushes it up over like up in the realm of $100,000. So the base price on the LS is like 76,000. So if you find cars that are equipped with the rear seat luxury package, most of them are very high 90s MSRP up to over 100. And then what's the LX now in the United States? The base price, the base price is around 86,000. And that's for the two row version. I believe when you build the three row version, which is how most of them are built, they come in right around 90, like 97 or 98,000. Okay. So are we going to see like a $150,000? I bet it's probably going to be, I'm I'm assuming here, I think the LX with the VIP package, well, I'm sorry, North America is calling it ultra luxury. The LX with oh, the right, ultra luxury package, I think is probably going to be in the realm of like one hundred and twenty-five dollars to $135,000. That's my assumption. Well, it's hard for me, right? I'm always trying to figure out conversion rates. Uh, I'm always trying to do the conversion rates <laughs> right. between uh, the United States and Canada. Yeah. So when I'm thinking it's it's going to be 150,000 in Canada. Right. Like, easily. Yeah. And it's just that's astronomic and exciting. The LX is one of those models that I don't pay a lot of attention to. And so like when you were talking about the difference between the Land Cruiser and the LX, I'm not familiar enough with them, particularly not at the level that you are. So you really do think that the interiors are are a lot different right and the exteriors how would you grade the the similarities on the exterior so it, it wasn't really until the 2016 refresh last generation that we saw significantly different sheet metal on the front end and the rear end between the two and then the lx has always had a unique dashboard so looking at the pictures of this new lx on the interior and then also looking at so that what we know of the new Land Cruiser, it seems to me that this is the most radical that Lexus has said, yes, we need to do our own thing with the LX. And of course, look, you know, you I think we can tell that the shape of the fenders is still quite 
you know, familiar. And then when we go under it, you know, they're on the same platform. They have the same twin turbo V6. So it's obviously not all that different, but I think that Lexus has done a good job of knowing where they need to sort of break from the Land Cruiser and what will make the LX the LX more so than they have before. And you know what? That just makes me think that what they're trying to do now is not necessarily address the U.S. market, Mm -hmm. but rather I think that they probably are trying to differentiate the Land Cruiser and the LX in other markets. I agree. I think you're right. So that way, when people are going and looking at this type of vehicle, there is a substantial and significant and appealing difference between the Land Cruiser and the LX. Yeah. And I think that allows them to, in turn, sell more LXs. If you were going to, like money not being an option, if you were going to take one, which one would you pick? The Land Cruiser or the LX? I would... (laughs) My wife would weigh in. Her favorite vehicle is the Land Cruiser. Mm -hmm. We probably would get the Land Cruiser and then buy an FRS. (laughs) Difference. You know that, I mean, you guys all know that I'm a Land Cruiser fanboy. It's probably my favorite all-time car, but I have to say this time I would choose the LX. I think they did a really good job. I, the the exterior design of the Land Cruiser is nice and it's clean. The exterior design of the LX is just a little bit more updated and I think sleek and luxurious looking. And I think this has always been the argument in the US market, but if you're going to spend that much money, why don't you just spend a little bit more and get an LX? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, really? Yeah. But one of the other things I was really excited to read when we were going through the press materials is that this version of the twin turbo V6 is actually quite different from the one that's used in the LS 500. So my struggles and my feelings on that engine are fairly well documented here. So no need to go into that. But when we were looking through it, um, it specifically said it shares the engine block and cylinder heads with the LS 500 engine, but the pistons intake system and turbocharger have been modified. It is designed to produce torque from low speeds and maximum torque as befits the LX. Roughly 60% of all engine parts have been newly engineered. Hmm. I'm very optimistic about this, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to wonder if this engine is going to come back over to the LS. Somebody uh, on the forums actually mentioned that there are a couple differences between them and that some of the changes are actually to be able to meet lower quality fuel standards in other parts of the world. So the version of the twin turbo V6 that the LS has is actually still supposed to be the technologically superior version. But, you know, I have to think that with the LS being on the market for you know, four years or so now that some of what they've learned there was incorporated here. Yeah. And it's another thing I wanted to ask you about watching the performance of the new twin turbo V6 and the Land Cruiser. I'm excited for it to go into the LX, but I also wish there was something more. I I do have to say Mm. though, if you've been following the Land Cruiser launch as closely as I have, you can find videos anywhere on the internet of the new Land Cruiser Like, I'm not kidding when I say like lay to waste. I mean, like lay to waste, like the Range Rover, the Escalade, the Infiniti QX80. (laughs) It's pretty shocking, actually, just how strong that twin turbo V6 seems to be in the Land Cruiser. So I'm happy that it's in the LX now. You remember when I was in Plano and I told you I drove the LX570 and I hated it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you Um, didn't like it at all. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a really big upgrade as a core engine. But like we were touching on before, I think when you get to the realm of like 100 and 120 and 130 thousand dollars potentially, I do really wish that there was a V8 option here or at the very least the same hybrid that the Tundra has, which I have to assume that the LX is going to get at some point. 
I, I mean, I, I think that the hybrid twin turbo V6 is probably going to be the engine to have, but um, I'm a little disappointed that it debuted on the Tundra and wasn't even mentioned for the LX. And you have to wonder why. I guess maybe the marketing reward for launching the, the truck with a hybrid, particularly when you have things like the Lightning, the F-150 Lightning, and all these new hybrid trucks, they, they needed something. They're, they're going to sell millions and millions of those. Yeah. But I don't know why they couldn't have just diverted like 1% of those engines to the LX. I don't get why they didn't launch with that with that engine. It's just like one of the, another one of those sort of weird moments where you're like, what i mean like like i mean you know we, we remember this isn't the first time where it seems like toyota has gotten the goodies and lexus has either hasn't or had to wait so and yes. you know i mean the tundra only debuted what two weeks or something before the lx so i have to believe that they could have at least said you know shown the hybrid and said something like you know will be available in the next model year or something like that because one of the other things that we've made the point of is you really, Lexus always likes to save some of those updates and changes for future model years to be able to keep kind of the yeah. new cycle fresh. But the flip side of that is you only get one opportunity to make that really big splash with an all new model. And so the way that sometimes Lexus tends to drop, you know, a new model and then incrementally update it, I don't think allows them to capture as much of the media cycle as if they would have put it all in on the first try and like thrown down the gauntlet and been like, this is how we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, you go, you go, you go back to the the gsf and right you think about that that car was in its final years and here we have the best version of it when it could have been done all along <laughs> a long time ago when they you know when they debuted the rcf and god same thing with the is 500 when you think about it yeah yeah well really i mean and then you look at the is second generation is launch with the isf very soon after mm-hmm and it's a curious decision why they hold back these things when they could make a really big splash, as you said. I, I think a lot of it is sort of like we were talking about in, about this launch in the beginning with I think a lot of it is regional specific and the way that, yeah. you know, some of the commitments are made. For example, I don't think hybrids are a particularly big selling point in the Middle East, if I'm not mistaken. No. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> Launching an LX hybrid in the Middle East probably would have not been that great. So maybe that gives them yeah. maybe that gives them the message and the impact they're looking for for the North American market. And we just have to wait for it. Who knows? Well, fingers crossed. That would be something. Yeah. Yeah. And then switch gears a little bit. The reviews of the 2022 NX just came out about two weeks ago. And they were rather tepid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Just to reiterate what we said last time, we were going to attend, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, COVID. This is this might as well be a COVID podcast. We are we are locked down, so we were not able to attend. So reading everybody else's first impressions, we're doing it the same as everyone else. We didn't have our own experience, unfortunately. True. The focus, obviously, with the NX was the interior. It was the infotainment, but then they also came out with these new engines. So it's kind of uh, surprising that people weren't impressed with the performance. There are so many NX models now that it seems to me like the media launch was sort of 
you really had to sift for the information that you wanted because yeah. there was so much right. out there. Like there were and like most of the reviews were on the 450H plus and then their reviews started hitting of the 350H and then the 350 and then like the whole lineup. So I guess flipping on what we just said about the LX, it seems like Lexus got a really strong response on the <laughs> NX media um, yeah. because it seemed to me like NX information like dominated yeah. the news cycle for quite a while. So I've read and I've watched a lot of them and I was probably hoping for something that would have been a little bit more positive. Specifically for me, I think around the driving dynamics, the all wheel drive system and the turbocharged four cylinder. No surprise Mm -hmm. to me that the 450H plus is everyone's favorite. Uh, That doesn't surprise me at all. I would love to have a 450H plus, but it you know, there were a, like a weird nuance about that. So it was going around and I guess when I look through the materials, it seems correct that the 450H plus isn't going to be available with Mark Levinson audio because I guess something about the extra draw for the amps is not compatible with the hybrid what? system. Yeah. So oh my God. if that like, hopefully I'm wrong, hopefully I'm wrong. Let me say that if I'm not wrong, Lexus needs to fix that ASAP because if you start yeah, asking like people, they need to put another battery. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're asking people for $60,000 for an NX and it doesn't have Mark Levinson, that ain't it, fam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a tough that is a tough sell. Yeah, and, and look, also just based on the popularity of the RAV4 Prime, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal to start. But I think that the Lexus no. buyer looking for the Lexus experience and paying 60 k for an NX is going to want Mark Levinson. So I really hope that if that's... Not if that is true, they can fix it. I hope it's not true. I have to say that the NX 450H Plus, it's the tech. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with the NX in total was all the tech. Everybody, you know, weighed in on the new infotainment system and it was very well received. I, you know, CNET, which is like a tech website. Yeah. They did a thing and were just raving about it, you know, just talking about how it worked and, and, about how uh, Lexus has its own personalized, you know, assistant within the car, you know, and then you go to like the driving dynamics and the driving dynamics on the original NX were, you know, say it. They, 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 well, I've already used the word tepid, so I don't, I've run out of uh, adjectives, but uh, it was fairly ordinary mm-hmm. and you don't drive an NX for for the performance dynamics, right? Like right. it's not the car that you would pick. Right. And it was before it didn't have the interior experience to make up for that. And now I feel like if I was to guess, I would say that the NX is going to become the best selling Lexus in North America. I think it'll beat out the RX. Dang. Like I would think probably in the next four or five years, I would say. That would be crazy. But, well, I mean, they're they're fairly close worldwide. I think the last time that I looked at the numbers, I think the RX sells somewhere like in a, you know, not in a COVID world, the RX sells somewhere like 12 or 13,000 units a month. And I think the NX sells somewhere like around six or 7,000 units in a month. So in North America to beat the RX, it would have to basically double current sales, which would be interesting. Mm. Um, and I, I look, I, I actually like, I think it's, I do think it's possible. Uh, I do think it's possible, but that would be a crazy feat if it happened. So I, I, that was a very polite way of saying that I was insane. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) 
No, but like, look, it's well, that's one of the beautiful things about us being in different markets, right? Like I look at US numbers, you probably look at the Canada numbers and some of the other ones. So just for this market, I mean, the RX is a force to be reckoned with, but you know, it's very it's true. not it's not invincible. But it's crazy that those two models together make up over, what is it, 60% mm-hmm. of sales. Mm-hmm. This was a really important model and I don't think they screwed it up. I don't. I don't think they screwed it up either. When I was reading the reviews, understandably, a lot of them essentially said like, it's good, but it's not great. And I go back to this place sort of like we were chatting about with the LX of Lexus knowing their buyer. And I don't say that as an excuse for complacency, but I think that when you look at products like the ES and the RX, which are Lexus core and the NX2, we know that the core Lexus buyer like doesn't really care about zero to 60 and breaking distances and quarter mile times. They want that really solid, really creamy, really smooth driving experience. They want it to feel effortless. And so when you're reading through the reviews, you know, I guess, again, me as an enthusiast was sort of like, yeah, you know, all new turbocharged four cylinder, all new all wheel drive system, all new platform. Like, heck yeah, this is going to be the moment where like I could consider an NX. But I think it's just one of those things where sort of like Lexus marketing and Lexus design is kind of writing checks that aren't really cashed by the product, but that's okay. Like, would I love to have, like, I I was thinking that the new turbocharged four cylinder, especially with all wheel drive was going to be like zero to 60 in six seconds. Like if, if you look at the specs, 275 horsepower and 317 pound feet of torque, and it weighs like 3000 pounds. I mean, it should have, like, I was like, damn, this, this is it. Like (laughs) this is, this thing's going to be a killer. And you know, the reviews basically were like, yeah, it's about the same as the old one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you know you compare it to like the x3 and the q5 and the rdx and it's you know roughly middle to back of pack which i do think is disappointing for a brand new you know state-of-the-art powertrain but i i think again it's just how many of lexus core nx buyers are looking for that probably a really small number and they're probably going to buy the 450h plus yeah exactly and then you have like what is it the fastest suv ever made by lexus or something like the 450h plus probably something like that that's a that's a crazy powertrain so yeah I think about the the path of Lexus and how they differentiated themselves from the beginning. And the NX seems like a return to that mm-hmm. in a way that's impressive to me because you used to buy a Lexus for the inside. Yep. You used to. And then we had remote touch. And then there was such a problem, such a, uh, a detractor that everything else that they did in the interiors almost didn't matter. Uh, no, I, I actually, I really agree with you. And it's been sort of what we're talking about, but I think that Lexus is doubling down on what they know works and very, again, very similar to what we were just chatting about with the LX stuff. We know that they use a new model as a starting point and there's actually a lot to come after that. Like there will be, there Mm -hmm. will absolutely be revisions to the suspension and the powertrain tuning and the transmission tuning, just like we just talked about with the twin turbo V6 and the LX and incremental updates. So I think as a starting point, the new NX is great. I think that it delivers what NX buyers want. It looks like a four door version of the IS and probably drives like a mini RX. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) Well, well, there you go. Right. Yeah. And you know, it makes me wonder about the uh, IS 500 F Sport performance. Makes me wonder if we might see something from Lexus with the NX. I hope so. Within that new 
that new kind of sub brand. I hope so. But that would be a pretty that would be a pretty big departure for them mm-hmm. to do a performance oriented crossover. It's not something that they've ever done. I hope so. I hope so. I, I think the interesting thing to me was what I read in most of their reviews was, of course, everybody was like, "Yeah, the 450H Plus is the best. We love it." But most of the reviews I said I read said that the 350H is actually pretty much this like low key star of the show, and it yeah. it doesn't surprise me because we have a Rav4 hybrid in the family. And they're very similar but like specifically the motor trend review the 350h was not only faster than the 350 with the all-new turbocharged four-cylinder but it also gets like 37 miles to the gallon so i gotta say if i was out here shopping for an nx my choice with my dollars would be the 350h but i wish that they offered it with f sport they don't yeah that's a weird might just be a market thing there's little holes yeah Yeah. it makes me wonder you know lexus and and their you know their internal combustion engines what model would you not choose the hybrid if you had a choice and Mm -hmm. it's really a shame when you think that now we're talking about their new turbo four and most people would probably pick the hybrid over it Mm -hmm. and that's that's a little disappointing yeah as an enthusiast so what do you think further applications of that engine would be? I think both are probably about to go into the ES and probably the next gen IS and RC if they're if they're to live. If they survive. Yeah. yeah. And then I think, you know, based on trademarks we've seen for RX 350 and, R- and TX 350, I believe that the new RX and TX will probably also get versions of this four cylinder. I want to ask you, we're talking about the TX. I was just thinking this. What do you think of the new Highlander? I don't love it. Is it the ride height? Honestly, yeah. But like you tell me, what do you think of the new Highlander? It took me a little bit of time to even notice that they was that they were different. You know, like they're very similar to the previous model. I'm seeing a lot of them now and I could really see Lexus doing a bang up job with a Highlander type vehicle. And you got to figure that the TX is going to be that, right? Yeah, agreed. Would you would you think that the the TX is going to be a stable mate of the Highlander? I think so in in some ways. Um, my opinion on this Highlander, you know this. My mom had one. You guys have one. I actually think that the last generation Highlander is like this might sound crazy, but I think it's one of Toyota's like great crossovers. I really do. I like. Oh my god, it's the best. The design is so it's so good looking. Like I remember even when it came out, the pilot looked like a shaved soap bar next to it. Like the Highlander, <laughs> the Highlander, it just looks yeah. good. And then the V6 was great. The all wheel drive system is good. Then like later. Later on, they, you know, up the ante and the limited and they added the platinum model like Toyota did everything right on the last generation Highlander. Like the performance was there. It looked good. It performed well. When the new one came out, I was kind of like, oh, all right. Yeah. Um, It sort of has the like gaping mouth thing uh, and the long that we were talking about. Yeah, the long the long character line up the side of it. I really don't care for. And then the back of it, I think like just with the horizontal like low profile leds looks kind of weak so i'm really not a big fan i really love the back oh i really love the back i th- I think it just looks really sleek but the thing is is it doesn't look like it looks like a crossover now yeah it looks less like Before an suv kind of had that yeah exactly yeah kind of had that truck feel right mm-hmm. even though it wasn't it had that sort of tough Toyota truck look. It did, yeah. And it lost that for sure. It's definitely gone towards the RAV4 design. Yeah. 
not to go completely off topic, but I was thinking about that that TX and, and what Lexus could do with that basic shape. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. They Remember, they trademarked Grand Highlander and TX almost at the same time. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see, is Grand Highlander just going to be a bigger Highlander, but they visually look the same? Or is it going to be slightly different? But for a long time, a lot of people have been asking for a true three-row scaled up Lexus crossover. And I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, that's my trajectory in life. <laughs> the Highlander trajectory? Yeah, the the Highlander TX trajectory. Yeah. Like, that just happens to be the direction that my life is taking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited about the TX. Yeah, me too. But I'm going to ask you the same question about the NX that I asked you about the LX, which was if, like in the Land Cruiser, if you were going to buy an NX, which one would you buy? Oh, easily the, the 350H. Oh, you would? If I could actually get a 450H plus? Yeah. No, you know what? I think it's too much. I think it's too expensive. That's how I feel too. That's exactly like in a perfect world, I'd love to have a 450H plus, but the proposition of a $60,000 NX down here is like, ooh, especially when you look at it and it seems like a nicely optioned NX 350H is around like 45K, which is, you know, still a lot of money, but pretty, it's like, that's, that's a good amount of car for that much money. Yeah, that's then, re- that's reasonable you know, for what it is. Yeah, and then you go up, you know, to 60k, so it's like a 15k jump for the same car, but the electric range and uh the plug-in, I'm just sort of like for me, it, it, the extra is not there for it. So, I actually So what's this what's the, what's the spread on the the RAV4 and the RAV4 Prime? Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is, is it similar? The RAV4 Prime has two trim levels, SE and XSE, and I think they start at like 47 or 48k. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, they may not be that bad because our RAV4 is a limited hybrid and the sticker on it was like 41. And then I think that, yeah, I think the Prime SE starts at like 48. And then I think the Prime XSE is like 50. So yeah, I guess it's not as big of a jump in the RAV4. But the thing is, is they won't be able to keep them in stock. Exactly. It doesn't matter what we think. That car. (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah. And the Toyota is also capacity constrained for those batteries. So I think that they made the wise decision of making it a premium choice on the NX. So, you know, it's not like they're going to be building a volume plug-in model on the NX. Makes me wonder when they're ever going to be able to fix that shift. Scale it up. In terms of being able to scale it up. Yeah, I agree. Because this is not the only car that needs this powertrain. I agree. This is a powertrain that needs to be in. I actually think the best use case for this powertrain is the ES. Like think about an ES 450H plus with all wheel drive and probably like, honestly, probably like 45 miles of range because of better aerodynamics and lower weight. Like that is a killer. So, (laughs) and you have that, that low hybrid torque. I mean, it would be amazing to drive. It'd be perfect. It would be the, once again, would be like the car that 99% of people should buy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. I'm out of practice. We need to, we need to keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have some more good stuff coming up. So uh, I'll fill you guys yeah. in next time. Actually, I think next time we record a podcast, I'll be in my new house. So my life, my life should be yeah. a little bit more quiet and uh, we'll be back on schedule and chatting with you guys about all things Lexus. We have a podcast coming up with Rich on the IS 500. We also have one about the LX 600. So more to come, more to come as always. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.